Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. And welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast. That was Leanne Skoda with I Believe. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you guys doing? Hello, Hello. Carl and Greg. Hey, you, you have a cold, Nicole. I do have I a have cold. A, I, have, I have a cold too. It's Nicole. Uh, <laughs> it is Nicole. Nicole. <laughs> you know what? Let's get right to um, the song. Let's get right to the song. I like that very much. You know what it is? To me, it's like you're going to laugh at this, but I think it's, it's Sheryl Crow meets the Bangles. Yeah, it's missing persons. It's '90s influence. You know what it is? It's the it's a big drums, big drum sound. You know, I mean, basically, uh, there's a school of thought that says that in you know your record is only as good as the drum sound. 
Well, you that know, doesn't. So. That's below. Look at the Beatles, man. Those drum sounds sucked, and they well, they, they, <laughs> they did pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> it, you know, I mean, you can make a case for it if you go back and listen to uh, '90s and 2000 drum sounds. Same thing I mean, with the Stones. They were huge. The Kinks. They were huge. All those bands. No, all those bands are kind of like sonically challenged anyway. But they're they're they're, they're their own vibe. But in the '80s and '90s, when when technology caught up. All of a sudden, these these drum sounds became gigantic. You know, if you listen to like Journey and those records from the nineties, there's um sticks. <laughs> there's a there's yeah. a funny thing about drum sounds where like um, Zeppelin was produced by Glenn Johns, and when the Eagles did yeah. their first record, they got Glenn Johns to produce the Eagles' first record. So they're recording the record, and when they're recording, they said, you know. Can we get the drums to sound more like the Zeppelin record? Like, you know, how can we get that sound? He goes, he goes to Don Henley. Well, you gotta play like John Bonham. You play like John Bonham. Yeah, he hits so hard. Right. And there's this myth that that I don't know if it's true or not, but there was this there was this legend that he wouldn't let engineers come close to his drums with microphones. And so basically. All those drum sounds are huge. He hits so hard and they've got all that room in them because he would literally would not let anybody put mics close to the drum heads. So I'm going to say you know, something that is going to be controversial. Yeah, kind of. I dig Zeppelin. But one thing about John Bonham to me, I love drummers that have that snap. You know what I mean? He didn't have that snap. In my he opinion. had a thud. He, yeah, had, a, yeah. he had a thud. <laughs> so, you know, um, He's a great player, but he, his own style. Yeah, it, uh, it fit the band, but it didn't have that snap that I love in drums. Like, you know, what's a great snap. Another thing, going off on a tangent here, Bunny <laughs> Carlos in Cheap Trick. I oh, love yeah. that guy. That snap that he had, you know, it was very cool. Anyway, but, we yeah. should do. Uh, we should do. If you if you're into drummers, we should do an episode about drummers because that's my uh musical instrument i'm into drummers in the and, band but when you know anyone anyone out there who's a musician we got four musicians and a drummer anyone right anybody <laughs> out there who's in a, a band and rehearsal you know being the songwriter i'll show like the keyboard play the chord changes and i'll be like two seconds in on here like i go shut up i, I, I was always like saying like you stop you know what's wrong with you? They're <laughs> mental. They're always like hitting shit. Like <laughs> <laughs> I always used to get complaints about like hitting the drums in between songs on performances. People they hated that. Oh yeah, you, know, you were a drummer, right? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You are a bit of a nut. So <laughs> anyway, but I tell you, I, I have a new thought now. We ever hear hearing this song? There are two things. One is like I don't think there are genres anymore. Everything's bleeding into everything else in my opinion. Yeah, we've, but, we've certainly been here. But I have that. a new mm -hmm. saying that I just thought of. Ah. And it's... Do you have music? No, I don't have music. I'm just going to say it. The future is over. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean the future is over? <laughs> <laughs> the, the future is over, meaning like... I don't know. I, it just came out. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's Yogi Bear, but there there is this fantastic saying out there: the future ain't what it used to be. Well, it's, well, <laughs> well kind of the future, meaning like there's no more new. Everything's just rehashed or refurbished old. The future is just like a garage sale. That you know. I have to. I have to tell you that I I am feeling relatively upbeat right now. I've been concerned about. You know, um, us doing a good podcast and us creating episodes that 
have some meaning and have some, you know, that matter. And um, I have felt a weight lifted off over the last couple of weeks because I've been doing a little bit of uh, research on where the industry was 20 years ago and where it is today. And um, I tend to agree with you. I think that we need to take the pressure off and we need to stop being concerned with whether or not all these people that are creating all this good music even get discovered. It is almost not scalable at this point. I mean, the idea that a band is going to be discovered on a Spotify playlist and going to be able to make music for the next 10 or 15 or 20 years and become a band like you two become a band like imagine dragons, you know, you, you name the genre, you name the decade. I think it's might be an impossibility at this point that you can be discovered in that way. <laughs> Carl, music tonight. Well, I, I agree. I, I think, like, well, again, the future is over. That's my new saying. That's what the, <laughs> the future is over. I, <laughs> I, I get it. I mean, um, I was, I was just recently, just a few days ago, heard a talk, and I could corroborate these numbers, but that would be boring. So I'll just tell you what the guy said. Basically, he said that in twenty years ago. You could identify through tax records and through uh, governmental economic records that um, basically there were 300,000 musicians on the rolls that were making in excess of $100,000 right, a year. Right, you told me this the other day. So, so that's like a quarter of a million uh, musicians that were doing well. A third you know, of that were playing in orchestras, that were that had an independent uh, career, that were playing sessions. They were making in excess of $100,000 a year. In 2019, this guy went looking for that data, similar data. He could not find 50 that were making in excess of $100,000 a year on the platforms that were emerging, like Spotify. It's shocking. It's different platforms, different... It's like apples and oranges in a way. It's the Well, Spotify has come out and said that 200,000 people on their... These are rough numbers. 200,000 people on their platform as creators make less than $1,000. Well, you know what? You, this, 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 you know, you want the music business to go back. Well, it won't. But if you wanted to, what you got to do is you got to stop doing Facebook. You got to stop doing Instagram. You got to stop sending stuff to Spotify and Pandora and say no, we're not playing anymore. And you got to send somebody a money order for ten dollars to buy their recording. Why not? Why not? You know, let's bring exactly. let's bring let's bring Physical CDs back. back. Cause no, you know, let's bring cassettes back. I like cassettes. No, let's no, let's bring vinyl back. Vinyl's the best. Yeah, that's too. Well, big. vinyl's coming back, but have you seen the prices on vinyl? Oh, yeah, it's forty two dollars. Forty right? bucks. Yeah, it's forty bucks for an album. Well, let's bring record stores back if that, if that's going to be the case too. Like, right. let's bring that whole. And then, I, and, then and then I, I you know, I, I cancel Netflix. I want to. I used to love going to Blockbuster, man. If somewhere to go, <laughs> Blockbuster every Friday night, we'd go and we'd get no, like a Tuesday, new movie. The new movies come out on Tuesday. I don't think we're ever going to put the genie back in the, the new bottle. movies came I out want on the Tuesday. Genie back in the bottle. <laughs> we weren't allowed to watch the movies till Friday, so we had to go Friday because of their rental policy. It's a funny, it's, a, it's ironic, I guess, in a way, but 
there's a documentary on Netflix about the last blockbuster. Have you seen that one? <laughs> no, no, I've actually been wanting it. to watch it, though. It, it's good. It it's, I think it just closed, or it still might be open. I don't know. It's somewhere in Oregon. The last, this one blockbuster, this woman, she keeps going the in. The final blockbuster. It's the last blockbuster, you know? But uh, So, Carl, so in New York City proper, or in Manhattan, how many little indie video stores were there in the 80s? Oh, there was champagne. There was tons. Oh, there were tons of them. There was champagne. There was blockbuster. Then there was a little. All, every it was like almost like pizza parlors. Every couple of blocks. Well, no, you would literally have the Chinese food place, the pizza place, and right next to it, you would have the actual video place. Right, and you go in and and did they have like a lot of indie releases and like the under, underground stuff and. They would have the indie stuff on another shelf and like the mm-hmm. mainstream stuff. So like the parents could direct the kids to that. I remember that. Well, it depends that. on how mm-hmm. cool the owner was. You know, like down in the village, there were, there were cooler places where you got really right. cool things. Upper West Side, in the residential area. Then it's more just your basic movies and then your basic like, you know, rom-coms and Dara. And spent hours running around looking there, you know. And you Fifteen one. years ago when we, when we still had our Tower Records uh, yeah, in Nashville, Tower, right? they had... I mean, I we used to go. Remember just, when I first met you? We used to go right there. Yeah, on the- man. It was just it was just as easy to buy cool titles. It was just as easy to buy cool titles for ten bucks as it was to rent them. And Tower had a ton of great stuff, you know. On several occasions, I went down to um, on a date, on like a first date, and walk through Tower, and I'd go mm-hmm. through and I'd find my CDs. And I yep. oh see oh check this out like not uh, and like as if like oh look is, is that you oh yeah I was kind of it's like so stupid it'd be like two of great. them but I wouldn't be oh, like look what I found but the thing is I always, I always be like in the um like there'd be like the C's like the name of the bands then there's just the C's I, I, I'm just in C you know I didn't have my own card or anything <laughs> so anyway genres. I was going to say, so are we entering a time of genre fluidity? Yeah, probably. There's probably some term, right? There's some stupid term someone will coin it to be. But it used I to had be where to do it. Non-binary music. There was R&B. There was, there was rock. There was country. There was disco. You know, there was like, you know, but now... It's, you know, even hip hop is crossing over to like hip hop or pop where it's singing and it, it, it nothing's defined anymore. Everyone's anything, which I well, think is cool, but. Well, and I think that also stemmed from back in the day where like you couldn't switch genres. So like if you went from like country to pop, like Taylor Swift, you would be shunned by the genre that you were leaving per se if. if and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that, at least that's what I was seeing like maybe like five or six years ago. But now you've almost got artists that are like mad that they're not being identified in a certain genre because they don't technically sound that way anymore. And we're, I think we're seeing that, Greg, you were saying with the Grammy nomination system that's coming out where Casey Musgraves is mad that she got excluded from the country nominations, but she's in the pop nominations. And then yeah. you've got people who are mad that they're in the pop nominations, but not in the Americana nominations. And I think the concept is that, you know, these award shows in particular have not kept up with with the commerce of music. So, I mean, I think typically what we hit upon here in this conversation is the idea that the reasons the genres existed is so that you could physically go to a spot where the product was available and you could 
physically go to the physical product. So it made most sense that you would say, okay, well, here's the, all the country records over here, and here's the here's the rock genre over there, and here are the C's alphabetically, so you can so Carl can impress his date. But right. it was all location driven. So the idea that now with streaming there is no location basically can get anything it's a, it's inside a, a playlist. It's the wild, wild west. Yeah. So and since we've been talking about back in the day so much, I think we should, you know, just revive this. Bring in the spring back. Yes, just, just for today. Come on, I love yes. it. Yes. I'm so excited. Well, like I said, the future is over. The future's over. The past is where it's at. <laughs> I like that. I like that the future is over theme. Past That's really good. Um, so Leanne Skoda, she's actually a member of AGD Entertainment. So why don't we mm -hmm. learn more about AGD? And when we come back from that, we'll play another single by Leanne called Lucky Penny. This episode features an artist from AGD Entertainment. AGD Entertainment, at the forefront of innovation in the ever-changing music industry. They educate and inspire their clients with their knowledgeable team of industry professionals and through community collaboration, cultivate a fun environment with an emphasis on respect, creativity, and relationships. If you are a music artist and you're looking for artist management or career development opportunities, AGD Entertainment is the place for you. To learn more, go to agdentertainment.com. That is agdentertainment.com.
Exactly what I was talking about. Like now, this this track, I feel like I'm in Laurel Canyon. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, that's a the way it falls apart at the end. I, it, it's kind of droney, and it, it it doesn't sound much like um, like the uh, other the first track we played. Yeah, but I, it's still still pleasant. Well, yeah, well, I, I like it. You know, we talked to her, didn't we? We asked her a couple questions. We did. She answered our questions of the week. <laughs> okay so uh, the first question we asked her is tell us a little bit about yourself okay here let's see what leanne had to say my name is leanne skoda i'm a musician based out of los angeles i'm a singer a songwriter and play guitar and i'm releasing an ep on november 5th called lucky penny short and sweet I know. I'm really excited, actually, for her EP to come out. There's a couple EPs that are coming out around that time, but she's actually done a really good job of promoting it. So, And she's from L.A. That's cool. I know. I think she's one of our first L.A. artists that we featured because normally we've, for some odd reason, we get a lot of New York and Nashville ones. So. Or East Coast. We've, we've had Massachusetts. Well, yeah, we've had a couple. We have Carolinas. Maryland. Maryland. Yeah. yeah, we get... We're more East Coast, so we're getting some- East Coast, Nashville. So she's really our first West Coast lady. Left Coast. Left Coast. Is it Left Coast? No, it's West Coast. It's left on your radio dial. I would like to implore everybody that ends up seeing this episode on her Facebook or on her Instagram or on her social networks, even though we've established that no one has any future, even though we've established (laughs) that you can't get discovered- even though we've established there is no music business, I would like to implore everyone that sees the 9420 podcast episode featuring her, please share it. Let's see if we can't make uh, some kind of impact on the West Coast. What else did we ask her? The second question we asked. So the second question we asked her is, what are you working on right now? Right now. This second. Right now. This second, Leanne, what are you working on? 
Right now, I'm working on releasing my EP, which comes out on November 5th. It's called Lucky Penny. I'm also playing shows for myself. And also, I have been doing some shows out on the road with Noah Cyrus as a backup singer and guitarist. Noah Cyrus, why do I know that name? Miley Cyrus's sister, I believe. I am a big, 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 big fan of Miley Cyrus. Yeah, she is kind of cool, actually. Then we asked her, what other music artists have inspired your music career so far? That's exactly what we asked her. I got it right this time? You did. Let's see what she said. As far as career goes, someone I would do is Emmylou Harris, because she she puts out her own music, and she also collaborates singing harmonies on other people's records and she just has such an iconic voice and she's had an amazing long career and continues to put out um, beautiful music. Emily Harris, I, I, love, I like her. I think I saw her once at the Ryman. I went, actually, I was there to see Elvis Costello and she was in the audience at the Ryman. And you can <laughs> tell her because she has that beautiful long gray hair, you know, like, you know, right? I started a catchphrase about Emmy Lou that Never caught on, but I, I take total credit for it. I'm going to trademark it. I said to somebody one time that Emmy Lou is so omnipresent. She is the Madonna of Americana. So I started calling her Madonna Cana. And um, I think it should have stuck, but nobody liked it. So, um, anyways, any, anything else to talk about in this beautiful uh, episode? Episode, episode 60, what? 64. Yeah. We're quitting after 100, right? No, we can't. We got to keep it going. There is no future. There, so. There is no future. <laughs> only the past. Well, and speaking of Carl's There Is No Future, since we're basically the past is all we have, go listen to all the other 63 episodes we have if you're very interested in what we've done so far. Some of them are pretty damn good. One of the artists that we featured in two episodes, Paul Lauren, he just came out with his album, Betwixt, and it's actually very, very good. I think you guys should listen to it. Yeah, I like you know him. I like his videos he puts on uh, Instagram and his reels. He's cool. Yeah, but his, he, his full-length album just came out, Betwixt, and it's amazing. Uh, you guys ready to get out of this episode? <laughs> no, we're just starting to talk about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're just making a difference. We're just starting to make a difference. Uh. Oh, I like uh, man. That's a that's a really good theme. Don't let anybody say we're not good music supervisors. That's the perfect "there is no future" theme. <laughs> All right, let's get out of this. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. Make sure that you listen all the way through because there will be one more song by Leanne Skoda called The Living Room. For everything that we talked about and links to things from this episode, make sure you go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later.